Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's February 17th, 2023, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 543. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Klapek. Hi. And Renata Price. Hello. We did it! We did it! Woo! We made it to Red! Uh, Countdown <laughs> is the 2019 movie that has the app that tells you when you die. Countdown. So look for, look okay. forward to that uh, well, I'm on gonna... my turn coming coming soon. Well, I'm oh, going to disrupt the space by introducing <laughs> death.when. Grave.when. Grave.when. You'll see. Welcome to my so, Web3 integrated death clock. <laughs> oh, can I get a, a, a can I um use my crypto to buy a a digital plot for my when I export my Facebook data, I need somewhere yeah. for it to go <laughs> when I'm dead. So where can I buy a digital a digital plot to put all my uh my 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 data that I'm exporting? Yes, of course. And also you'll will store the servers in the monolith. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so like, so your my children will be able to scan a QR mm-hmm. code with their AR goggles to yeah. oh, what was Dad doing on Instagram in two thousand and eight? <laughs> but only at the monolith, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a physical experience. Yeah, you have to travel to the monolith, which is in a in a singular space. You know, in keeping with the theme of disruptive technology improving lives, Patrick, tell us about <laughs> PSVR. Well, that seems like a gross exaggeration of the device that Sony is shipping next week. Um, I yeah, I've played a bunch of uh, PSVR two. I am uh, I have been someone that's very high on VR since kind of the early days. I my first experience with VR was well, like if you put aside like a Virtual Boy or like going to a GameWorks and like playing one of those things where you'd like strap on a headset and could look around. Uh, I remember when the damn, Oculus damn. Rift. Which I for, didn't. I neglected to get this into my review, but like it's so weird that like Palmer Lucky, who has kicked off this entire sort of like modern virtual reality movement, is now just like making military weapons. Like uh, I, I, mm, I, I was like thinking about that as I put on the PSVR too. I was like, oh right, part of what's responsible for all of this is someone who is now part of the military industrial complex and has turned into a right wing shitbag. Okay, time to play this VR adaptation of Horizon. Um, and the Oculus Rift kind of suggested to me there was a path forward with virtual reality in that, you know, obviously the implications of how it sort of like drops you into a world is pretty obvious. It was not always obvious up front what virtual reality was capable of beyond that. I think we started seeing better examples of that over the the past six years or so when the controllers started getting integrated, where you had uh, sort of VR controllers that... Uh, felt more natural than a like standard video game controller stuff that made you more physically involved. Um, the sort of like sense of scale and depth uh, in the right type of game 
really suggested that there, there there could be games developed that are more than just quote unquote immersive, but that actually would be lessened by the removal of, of the technology. Like a game that I point to all the time is Astrobot on the the original PlayStation VR, um, which is a platformer that I think is just as good as anything Nintendo's ever made. And if you were to play it in 2D, like it'd be fine, but it is clearly made with the understanding that you are getting the depth, you are looking around this world, you are interacting with it in a way that goes beyond just holding a controller and not a flat television screen. PSVR 2 comes, feels like a project that was greenlit before the Oculus MetaQuest came along, um, in which th- those devices are underpowered. They essentially have like a cell phone in them, but they're pretty they're pretty competent and they don't have wires. Uh they're relatively cheap. They, I guess, they they, they still live at a loss for three hundred bucks. Now they're four hundred bucks, but it's still a hundred dollars cheaper than the PSVR two. And the PSVR two uh, is entirely reliant on the PlayStation Five. It is the most comfortable device that I have used. It is clearly something that they have thought from like day one. Hey, it sucks shit to put these devices on, and you're constantly messing with them. Even on the Quest Two, it was the kind of thing where if you breathe too hard, your breath would just fog up the entirety of the lenses that doesn't happen here um you know i've played games that have kind of gotten my heart racing that have various kind of exercise like elements and you know you get there's sweat that you might have to wipe off but it like gets rid of that very obvious inconvenience of the of the technology but it's still it's got a big ass wire you are still putting a headset on your head the the screens are better than they've ever been they are not like looking at a television screen you can still very much tell that you are looking at panes of glass that are really close to your eye and a little bit fuzzy. Like they're the best that they've ever been. Um, And more critically, it is the PS five is 500 bucks. The PSVR two is 550. I do not think it's overpriced in the sense that are you getting a, does the hardware justify the price? I actually think it does. That doesn't mean it still isn't really expensive. Both of those (laughs) things can be true. Like, Meta Facebook was selling the Quest at a loss. This is a device closer to what Valve was producing with the Index, which they were selling for $1,000. And my guess is they weren't making a ton of money off of it. Um, or the uh, the HTC Vive, which was like the higher end one. You know, this no longer has the cameras you're mounting around your room if you want to be able to walk around. That is all built into the device uh, itself with its own cameras. Uh but it only has one real exclusive, Horizon Call the Mountain, a pretty excellent spinoff of the Horizon series. It has all the sort of high-budget cinematic flair you'd want from or expect from a Sony game. But it's also like a like Hawkeye-style arrow shooting game that I played a bunch of times on VR. It's a really good one of those. And then it's a bunch of climbing, which... There's a lot of climbing games in VR, so it mashes that stuff up really well. But outside of being set in like the neat aesthetic of Horizon and being clearly having a, a big ass budget, it's sort of an experience you've had before. Fantavision, which was a, an old PS2 game about fireworks, it's supposed to be a launch game. They didn't give me access to it. GT7 doesn't have its patch out yet, but it's an older game. RE8, uh, like I played RE7 in VR. I already beat RE8, and so I don't know that I necessarily need to play that in VR a second time. And then it's a bunch of ports of games that came out for the PSVR, the Quest, other devices. And on top of that, it's not backwards compatible. So if you bought Res on PSVR, you got to fork over 5 or $10, I forget the exact cost, in order to get that upgrade. That's not the developer's nickel and diming. That is 
these were fundamentally different hardware configurations. So it makes sense that they would want to charge for the, the work they put into it. But it does mean you own a game, have to upgrade it for the new device. And on top of that, despite it being a very expensive, uh, or at least seemingly expensive accessory, uh, like they don't include a wipe to clean the lenses. Like you can't just use your shirt to clean the lenses on a VR headset. You can, but over time you're going to scratch those and you're going to, it's going to cause an issue. You got to buy like a microfiber cloth that you would use for single like use. Your, your No, no, no. You can buy multiple use, uh, the ones that you'd use for like your, like your glasses or something like that. Those okay. are, those are fine to, to use on a VR headset. Um, and they're only a couple of bucks on, you know, Amazon or target or whatever to get a bundle of them. But like, <laughs> Why isn't in there? You're going to have to do that. Uh, and so it kind of cheapens what is otherwise supposed to be sort of a best in class sort of experience. So I, I think if you are someone like Rob, I've thought about you because you, you've expressed interest in this. Someone who has broadly not messed with VR, but has been like curious or interested to try it eventually. I think there's like never been a better entryway into it uh, because the screen's great. The controllers are great. The experience is top notch. It's still finicky and weird. And at times it will just stop working because it's cloudy outside and it's not getting enough light for the cameras, uh, which is what happening multiple times when I when I was playing it. But for what the, 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 the where this kind of like tech is, it's the best version of it yet. The games that are there, Res, Thumper, What the Golf, Horizon, I'm sure Gran Turismo will be excellent. Uh it's a huge library of awesome stuff that I've played before. And now it's like, for me, it's the equivalent of like when you buy a new graphics card, this is less true these days, but like before it's like, Oh shit, time to play Bioshock. But now in 60 frames a second and a slight, slightly higher resolution. And you do that for like 10 games. That's sort of what you would do with a new graphics card. That's kind of been my experience with PSVR two, And it's just unclear to me, especially with this does not connect to a PC. And I think that is going to prove to be a potential fatal flaw for this device. What is great about the the MetaQuest and the MetaQuest 2 is that you can connect it via a USB-C cable or <clears throat> using uh, wireless. You got to be really close to your PC and your router in that case, but it works. And you can connect to their store. There is external software called Revive that lets you connect it to Steam. And so you get access to a huge library of professional and homebrew software that uses your device that also doesn't require any wires. And so the Quest 2 is cheaper. It's the device isn't as nice, but the Quest 3 is coming out is rumored to be coming out later this year. My guesses will be roughly on par with the PSVR 2 and should come with all of that extra stuff like being able to connect it to a PC. So it's a complicated device. I I feel like it came out of an it was approved in an era of Sony that was like kind of ahead of all of like the the Quest kind of eating its lunch in terms of a consumer level VR. But it is really nice. I just think there are an extraordinary number of caveats that go alongside it. That's a like when you're when you list when you start running down what you can actually play on it right now, I begin to get a bit worried because it's like. As far as I know, we don't know of like a huge like, oh, the tide is coming in with with VR games. Uh, and so, like, we're talking about a really limited selection of of games that you can play on this thing. And, like, admittedly, like, my primary use case, as you alluded to, probably going to be, like, occasionally I want to get in my GT7 car and drive around. And that's cool. I'm like, that's, like, 
you know that that's sim racing, right? Like there's some things that you're okay having expensive uh, peripheral that's like effectively single use, and then it's gonna be so finicky, much use, right? Like you're like yeah. you're going through the the hoop of setting up your racing wheel, you know your 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 gas pedal, like that. You are go- you know that you're experiencing friction in order to get to a single experience, and the thing uh, that's that's tough here is that I think these headsets are headed towards less and less friction. And this one just has a decent amount of it, like both by design with the wire, uh, even if it's only a single wire, but it's still a wire. We're like, OK, you're not supposed to put like your, your it says don't put it on kids younger than 12. You can't just don't let them do it for more than 10 minutes. Um, like, you know, my kid immediately tripped over the wire. I tripped over the wire, got caught all on my arms. Like, it's not that big of a deal. There's a button <laughs> on the headset that sends it into what's called like a mixed reality mode where you can kind of fuzzily see around you. And it's conveniently right on the headset, so you can look around and like, why are my feet all tangled? That's like, is I like you know as much as I like that it's, it can leverage the PS5 as like a gaming PC to produce like really high fidelity graphics, and it also means the headset's extremely light. Like the Quest can feel like sometimes like I know there's a big Android phone in there, <laughs> like I can feel it on my forehead. Uh, this one is like really light and and doesn't feel toy like necessarily, but just it feels like a good piece of kit, um, well put together. Uh, but, but, you know, once you've experienced the ability to just like pick it up off of here and like go take it into the kitchen and like show it to a friend, it's like a, a little bit weirder to like come into my office and like, let's, let's play a Star Wars shooting game. I've, 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 I've made a palace of dreams for you in here. Please ignore the cardboard box on the table. It's not part of the palace of dreams. Wait. <laughs> So if so, I'm I'm curious how this works. So as I understand it, okay. So Star Wars Squadrons worked with the PSVR one and PS4, right? I think so. So if your question is a big old, eh. no. So no, by the PSVR two, I couldn't be like time to fire up Squadrons. Is nothing that, is like, compa- nothing is compatible. It's that level of like not backwards compatible at all. Yeah, like it, wow, it is, it is zero backwards compatibility. I was hoping which, that might be. I was hoping it might work because like. In general, the PS5, everything's like, yeah, run that PS4 shit on this. So I was hoping maybe that had sort of carried through to the PSVR. No, uh, it's 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 and again, it is understandable because the the, the original PSVR was, you know, as I wrote in my my review. Oh, I remember. Kind of like a, uh, well, it's kind of a Skunk's Works project, right? For for like a, a like a giant electronics company, you had this kind of awkward VR headset that if you wanted the motion controls, you had to use the PlayStation Move controllers that they'd abandoned from their experiment to try and replicate the Wii. And then in order to do the head tracking, the headset didn't have any of that. So you had to buy the PlayStation Eye, another abandoned accessory that they were using to do like mini games or Kinect style stuff as Sony would chase various hardware trends. And they if have you like set a all card of that, game you, with the fucking eye where you would put cards mm-hmm. down and they make a little dinosaur yes! appear on there. That game was pretty cool. Like there is I an arm out. of Sony <laughs> that does like kind of weird shit. And the PSVR, like I was again, that is not even like a knock against the VR. Like I, uh, uh, like, I, you know, nobody is going to ever play the From Software game. Uh, the, uh, the oh, I can't even remember the name of it is now, but it was like this little ghost fairy tale. That was exclusive to PSVR. I'm sure it'll never be ported. It wasn't even that great, but it was interesting. It was very from software in. It like had a very like King's Field like era of from software vibes. Um, and then yeah, PSVR was a, just a weird little thing. And and this one is a much slicker version of that. But 
feels divorced from the trend of where this stuff is going. And as you as you mentioned, Rob, like it is not as though they have announced a full slate of, hey, all of our team, the whole the Sony worldwide studio team is here. Like Naughty Dog doesn't appear to be doing anything. Insomniac is not here. Right. Like maybe they're working on things. But my understanding actually is like broadly, those teams kind of get to pick and choose what they want to do. And it would not shock me if none of them are making anything for PSVR. Or what happens is what happened with Horizon, which is the Guerrilla Games did not make the Horizon game. That was a partnership with uh, Fire Sprite Studios, which I think Sony does own now. The rumor to be working on the next Twisted Metal game. Um, but yeah, there is not. There is there is a Supermassive does have a game uh, uh, coming out. A uh, Dark pic. I think I don't know if it's Dark Pictures, but it is a horror, uh, like on rails kind of shooter game. And the last one was supposed the one that uh, is something of blood. Uh, they did for the PSVR that is was supposed to be pretty decent. So I'm excited to play that. It's supposed to be launched, but it got delayed. But I don't see a slate of like ten. You know, there aren't a ton of bangers coming for this, um, at least that we know of. And so I would put a lot of caution in terms of uh, if you are. If you wanted to get on the VR train and you have a PS5, I think this is a great entry point. If you've owned a VR headset before, I do not think there is a lot of much of anything to compel you here. The technology is an evolution. It's not a revolution. It is it is not fundamentally changing what we've had before. It is just a good version of a track we were already on with previous headsets. Um, and the lack of something from the Astrobot team or Half-Life Alex. uh, which I have like, have like Alex is, is far and away, I think, the most interesting game that's been produced for VR yet. Like, it's not here. And if that comes along in the fall, like, <laughs> I'll be championing a lot of people to at least borrow a headset and, and check that game out. Yeah. Do you think that, like, this is going to, at the very least, get other people making VR stuff again? Like, it, not it's again. It's already happening. Like, it's extremely, right. it's extremely robust. Like, there are companies that, uh, like, the Quest has had the issue of a lot of people purchase that as a, fun like we like christmas present which is like hey got family coming over i'm gonna go pick up one of those quests and then we're gonna sit around you know drink and like watch a bunch of people like go on roller coasters and like get spooked in some game um and a lot of those devices like there's data supporting the fact that a lot of millions of quests were sold and then like usage of them fell off a cliff because they are seen more as novelty devices as opposed to full-time accessories that incorporate into your daily life. That said, there is a, there is no, VR is never going mainstream, right? Like my belief has always been that that is some sort of more, that's more in the AR space or a hybrid of the two, that VR will stick around. It continues to have a place. There is, I'm, I'm one of the people that loves using it and I don't think AR would replace what VR does well. I think those are sort of like different, different beasts in terms of what they're trying to, what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, but uh, on the PC, there are there's really dedicated communities on Steam and on the on the Quest Store that mm-hmm. will support these devices going forward. But they already exist there, and you're locked out if you buy it on PlayStation. They they've are like the, the original PSVR. It registered as a monitor when you connected it to a PC. So over time, people were able to jack into that device and retroactively make it work as a display that could work on the PC. Digital Foundry's hooked up this device. It is not recognized as a monitor. It is just not recognized. So absent Sony producing device drivers that allow PCs to use it, it is just a hunk of junk that is connected to your PS5 uh, and cannot be used for any other purpose. Is the Hitman VR mode on this? I don't think so. That is a PSVR one uh, thing. But Damn. it must it must be available. I don't know if it's available. I don't know if it's a PlayStation exclusive 
or if that's available on um, that's available on PC. Right. So that again, that and so the the other thing that is a knock against having this exclusively tied to the PlayStation is that you are locked out of the homebrew community. So what developers won't do or, you know, when developers understandably move on, won't port things to different devices, won't support other kinds of accessories, the community will do that work and they continue to do that work on virtually Adelie. And that just that just can't exist here because it is a locked down hardware device. There will not be a homebrew community for the PlayStation VR 2. You are at the mercy of what Sony produces and the studios that they convince should make a game for this. I, I think it is unlikely for there to be a whole ton of PlayStation VR 2 exclusives that don't come from Sony's pipeline. I think broadly, most studios will end up porting their stuff to the VR 2 because once you've done the work, you know, it, it's not that it's trivial, but that you might as well take advantage of the user base. And especially if it's a new user base that wants to play new games for the the pricey hardware they just bought. But I just don't really know why Sony did this. You know, I'm thankful because I want a, a company like them to put a bunch of money into games like Horizon. Uh, mm-hmm. That's exciting to me. Do I think it was financially sound? No, I think this was probably misguided and is likely to wither on a vine uh, two to three years from now um, and no longer be supported by the company. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> it's really good though like rob i think you're gonna have a blast with it i bet you yeah. 7 is gonna be fucking sick i'm gonna give you a uh you've never played thumper before have you no thumper oh, is you gotta play thumper rob so thumper is every time i revisit it, it like move do you ever have games that you revisit and you liked at the time but every time you go back you go ha ha this is sick as shit. I like yep. this game even more now. And it moves up an all-time ranking. And Thumper is one of those. It is described uh, as from an ex-Harmonix developer. Uh, it was actually, I believe, a game that uh, Robert Ashley was talking to us about that I, th- I think was maybe part of the new A Life Well Wasted, uh, Rob, um, if, I, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering correctly. Um, Thumper is described as a violent music rhythm game uh, in which you play a tiny, tiny vibrating beetle that goes along uh, a track in the middle you are stuck in a world that I can only describe as psychedelic Lovecraft. Um, so imagine the sort of otherworldly screen filling creatures of a Lovecraft uh, novel, but like they're all high and you've got like trippy seventies. <laughs> like who's just chilling. Yeah. Uh, like. Jeff Minter, right? Like that, that kind of like psychedelic uh, uh, visuals that always accompany Tempest and things like that. It's got that kind of vibe going with it, but like also if monsters were there and the the Beatles at the center screen, it just feels like it's barely on the track. It's like, and you have to, you're, you're hitting X in order to hit these sort of musical cues. You are slamming your Beatle against, like left and right, uh, against this tiny track to try and survive. It's something very difficult to describe, but it is the video game equivalent of having a heart attack, but you're having a great time. Like I, every time I'm, the moment I'm in it, I'm sweating. And in VR, you 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 are just with you're with the beetle. The beetle's just right here. And just slamming into these walls. It's it's truly incredible. It's it is rhythm game hyperdemon. Like hyperdemon mm-hmm. is so obviously mm-hmm. inspired by Thumper mm-hmm. aesthetically and also like in terms of its like belief that the most should always be happening to the player. Um <sighs> How, mu- how much can the human brain process at once is the question that both of these games aspire to ask. Right. And then so then when you get 
that is one of the rare games that not made for VR, but then when put in VR, frankly, could be too much for people. I get, I sometimes I put it on. I'm like, this is made for me, and then at times I'm like, this is not made for other people. This would be too much for other people, and they would like this to be on a screen that is 15 feet away from their head uh, as they were experiencing it. But like, that's a game I've played you know, six or seven times across various platforms. So I'm happy to revisit it and I'm reminded how much I liked it. But like, do I need to play the opening three worlds of Thumper again? You know, probably not. But the, one of the joys of VR, where I kind of, I'm at it, where I'm just waiting for like the big games to kind of come through, the ones that are really, it's kind of mechanically interesting or doing doing something new, is I always get excited to like show it to other people. Is to like, when people have their first experience going like, oh shit, or like, oh wow, um, is really fun. And so, uh, I think I'm, wa- I'm, you know, the next time I see you, Rob, I'm waiting through this horror game and then I'm, I'm going to ship this thing to you so that you can report in on, I need you to go into your full racing setup and then put on the headset and, and report in. I don't think I'll be able to convince you to stream it, but you know, I am at least putting that into the world. <laughs> um, I don't know. You might be able to convince me to stream it. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> like it's possible by the time I get here, like it'll be a hell of a lot easier to do that safely in the office. Uh, so it's possible. Oh, that's true. You're going to regain that space, right? What's what's going in the spot that you're in now? Nothing. <gasps> well, that's like, not true, Rob. Leaving an open space, it, like, but it's you've not got an open plans. space. Like this is this isn't really an open space. It's something wedged into like. The office chairman just barely does not cut into my eye line when looking at the TV. Like that's how okay. cramped it is. I got so you. like opening this up will actually just create a bit more. Like if anything, probably it allows furniture to move to slightly better positions, like and be less stacked against the far wall. Mm-hmm. So like we we will see. I think long term we we would like to get a couch that's big enough for. We have discovered the love seat does not have sufficient room for Mina. And so no. we're like, we need, you need, we need like a, a three seat couch uh, mm-hmm. so that Mina can like sort of sprawl in the middle because uh, Mina can fit. But her preferred sometimes she likes curling into a ball, but mostly she likes to sprawl. So anyway, she needs a big space. Anyway, once all this once all this gets out of here, uh, that is that's the plan. But I am curious how I'm going to handle VR because like this this past week, um this hasn't happened very often, but I've been like doing so much gaming that like wow. my Damn, eyes really? started to feel fucked up. <laughs> like, oh, oh no! Uh, like VR is not going to help you there. Like these these displays are better than ever, but at not you know I was trying to finish the Horizon game last night, so I played like ninety minutes. I'm I'm at like the last like area or two, so I'm like right in the cusp of finishing it. Like you can't do more than two. I know people do it, right? Like, I know people do it, but right. I cannot get more than around 45 minutes. Like, my hair gets itchy, but then I start thinking about my hair getting itchy, and I'm taking it off, putting it back on, and they may have gotten some sweat on the lenses. Uh, but 90 minutes is when the grip, because you have to have it awfully tight in order to, like, have it be sharp. Like, the biggest problem with VR, it is still a problem here, is maintaining the sharpness. It is just still not the case that every time you're going to put it on and it's just going to click into place. There's a lot of techniques here. Like the way you put it on is like you, there's a button on the front visor and it just like slickly pulls it forward and back. And then uh, on the back, there is a knob that 
you turn to like tighten it kind of like a gear. It's really slick, but it's still finicky. And like, you'll do all that, but you actually, you know, then need to take the visor. And even though it feels like you have it on straight, you kind of need to push it down a quarter of an inch and then like readjust the things and hope it stays in place. But then you have a game like Horizon where you're constantly looking up and around at things. And if it slips a little bit, well, then now it's blurry in your periphery and that's annoying. And like that, that stuff just isn't, I think it's inherent flaws to the, to the format, right? Like you're dealing with slabs of glass that are really close to people's eyes. Faces are different. Eyes are different. Bone structure is different. It's, it's just, it's the difference in like, you know, AR and VR is like AR will eventually be able to, you know, in theory, be a pair of glasses that is custom designed for a person's face. It it can sidetrack all that. VR is like trying to be a catch-all device where like it also has a, a like a, uh, a kind of a half ring on the side of the visor that adjusts the position of the lenses. So these are all things like when you're handing it to a new person, like who wants to try VR? All right, we'll slide this on, tighten this up, um, uh, adjust the lenses. Is it is it sharp? Well, sort of. Well, I can't see what it is, so I can't tell you if it's sharp or not. You got to tell me if it's sharp or not. The one thing that is really cool, it has a, um, it, um, underneath the, it has a little slot for the headphones. And then over here has a little built in port where the headphones just kind of stick in and go away. And it is like the acknowledgement, like you're going to be wearing headphones with these things if you're trying to like go for the full immersion. And at least like it has like a nice way to, to, to put them away. So again, it has all those kind of like quality of life things, but it is still like VR is just, it's kind of finicky. I don't think that's ever going to be like a solved issue. It's just a, ma- a matter of like how, how much can you reduce some of the, some of the friction, but your eyes, who's, who's, who's hurt, who hurt your eyes, Rob? No, I think it's like, so this, this past week I've been playing a lot of, um, company of heroes three, uh, which I can talk about next week. And, uh, like a dragon, uh, Ishin. And it's just made for a lot of like long days of like between recording shows and then playing a lot of games and such. It was like days where pretty much I've been staring at screens for hours and hours and hours and hours. And like this, usually I'm not susceptible to this, but this was the first time where I was like, I need to get out into natural light and like stare at things in the far distance extensively. You got those, uh, you got those blue light shifts. Uh, I do not. Hey, Rob, I'm beginning shits. to I'm beginning <laughs> to wonder if that may be a causal factor in your eye pain because what is what is this? Uh, blue light uh, glasses that block blue light. So, I like for example, my glasses, uh, which are in my bed right now, not on I'm my face. I'm trying to make them do the thing. Hold on, I think I can is this specific to people that wear glasses, or is this something yes. you would get? Ev- oh, okay. Well, no, you can you can also get them if you don't. Uh, oh, wait, uh, there, hold on. Wear you see how regularly? the reflection in my glasses is blue? Yeah. yeah. That's because the glass is reflecting that blue away from my eyes and instead of letting it go into my eyes. Is the blue is the blue contribute to sort of like blue light like is bad tiredness? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's eye strain. Like it is it is the thing that causes eye strain uh, or one of the primary causes of eye it's strain. It also and causes the what, opposite of tiredness in a bad way. Like it'll keep you up longer if you're staring at a blue tinted screen well, so they always that's say, why like, they, you know, I guess like people who like wake up and look at an iPad when they can't fall asleep it's like well all you're doing is just putting a yeah like exactly. a giant thing that's gonna make you stay awake yeah uh so th- this was a this is a week full of full full of that uh it also just it also just felt a little bit like um I don't know just like I was being focused on screens that were a certain distance from my face was getting 
tiring. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so like I'm like if I'm already starting to feel that, I I do have questions about like how VR is going to land over the long haul. But uh, like speaking of the games I'm playing, uh, so I can talk about Like a Dragon Ishin and so. It's at once, and I, I guess this is like this is the nature of these types of games from uh, Ray Gagatoku, um, which is like you get in some ways really tremendous storytelling and like awesome cutscenes and cool like like a lot a lot of cool uh, writing and characterization. But then also you get some of the most grating gameplay loops uh, that, <laughs> like, that are imaginable. And it's weird. Like I had not really gotten into the series. I got into Yakuza 0 a little bit. And then I really like Judgment. But I'm already starting to feel like maybe I've had my fill of just trying to get around town to go do the next thing. Mm. And having a bunch of like trash mobs run up on me that I have to spend like... 30 seconds just beating the shit out of and it's a foregone conclusion like it's not like they're just going to get like you know wiped out and then you move on to the story but this time it's just not landing for me like in a way that like it's weird when I start playing um like Lost Judgment I was like ah man so good to slip into slip into this it's comfortable I, I, I dig it and here I'm just like, get out of my way. I'm just trying to, man, I'm just trying to advance. I, I like, I need to go talk to this fucking guy and I can't deal with this right now. Is the, is the combat any more compelling in sequences that are not the trash mob stuff? Or is this a Rob's thinking about putting down a story mode so that he can just push forward in the game? Or is the story not even enough to like want to do that part? I, so the, it's, the story is, uh, it's been getting more interesting as, as, I've, as I've gone along. Uh, so the the setup for this, and I had not realized when what it was like. Well, this, this pitch is the like historical adventure uh, from, from the studio. <laughs> what I had not realized uh-huh. is, no, no, no. Like all the characters were real people. This is a dramatization of like a group of infamous people. Uh, and their their actions during uh, the the late Tokugawa shogunate and the uh, the major restoration, and so like the guy you are playing even like has a wiki entry that you can learn all about his <laughs> life after this, and they're just like, but all these all these characters have been sort of. Is there a section about all the kick ass fights he got on got into on the way to the store? <laughs> so this is the real yeah. Well, that's part of it, right? Is uh, it's just like one bullshit thing after another, but. The setup for this is um so in the prologue of the game, basically you are from uh Tosa, which at least in the game's telling is kind of uh a a backwater uh like rural community in Japan that all the society was deeply strat- stratified under the uh Tokugawa, but the like things in Tosa, for instance, at least in the game's telling, were like more stratified that like people took the Tokugawa's uh Tokugawa shogunate's like codified legal stratification of society and took it to extreme degrees in this place. Um and inter- <laughs> so they, but to let you know what we're talking about here, early on they sort of teach you that um there's like Goshi, high Goshi, and then there's Joshi. 
And those are like three tiers of samurai, basically. Mm-hmm. And so you got all these people talking about like, nobody cares about the Goshi. We're just the downtrodden of the earth. Not not pictured peasantry at all. <laughs> just like <laughs> it's a bunch of people. Now, admittedly, oh it gets it does get apparently it does get a little weird with like uh samurai were like the only class that was allowed to be armed. So like you could still be technically like your samurai, but effectively you have the social prestige of like a mall cop, for instance. Um, <laughs> and you're only allowed to be a mall cop. So that's just your life, and you make like mall cop wages, so that can just be how it goes. But anyway, so you come back. Um, you have been you've been training in uh, Edo for for a year, so you're back from the big city, and you come and you encounter really quickly all this grading stratification, and your character uh, Ryoma beats the shit out of some like swaggering like high high cast uh, samurai. And you're thrown to jail, and you're immediately sort of bailed out by your pops, your adoptive father, who is like the magistrate of the entire prefecture. Um, and he tells you he has been secretly working on a revolutionary plan. And your your adoptive brother has been like leading what's called the Tosa Loyalist Party, which is the type of the parties that sprung up to... Um, the way it all worked in this period is the Tokugawa Shogunate had like ruled for like 200 some years. And while they were military dictators, it was all supposedly they were in the service of the emperor of Japan. And so like, of course he's the real head of state and the real power, but uh, the Shogun is just the, the servant of the emperor, but the emperor is still there. And so when people realized they wanted to overthrow the Shogunate, their way of doing that was saying, actually, the Shogun's a traitor to the Emperor. He's running the country for himself. But we are loyalists, uh, and we think the Emperor is the rightful ruler of Japan. So you have this weird thing where, like, the revolutionary insurgent groups are staking out really conservative rhetorical positions, right? We are loyal to the Emperor. We're going to restore the Emperor, um, even though, like, nothing has changed. He's He's doing what he's always been doing. So... Your your father your father tells you that your adopted brother and him have been working on this plan. They've created a loyalist party that's going to lead an uprising and sort of light the candle for revolution in Japan. Before that can go much further, uh, and this is where the revolutionary politics of this get kind of cool. In a private conversation with the uh, with, with your brother. Uh, uh, Takechi, who ha- has been running this party, he lets you in on the fact that his revolutionary vision goes a bit broader. He's like, he's really worried. He's like, we're going to do this whole thing and we're just going to replace one stratified society with another. And basically, he lays out that secretly, he's thinking more like bigger. He's like, <laughs> what we need to create a society where like all class, like these concepts of class are destroyed and everybody. Uh, whatever their ability, whatever their position has a chance at like achieving what happiness means for them. Uh, and like, it's not like, he's not like, <laughs> he's not turning the camera and being like, I'm a communist, Ryoma, and I'm exactly <laughs> the type of communist you are, but it's close. But this is what he's, this is what he's sort of laying out. Ryoma, uh, this is your guy, your guy's Ryoma, and he's very much in the, um, I, he's a lot, 
a lot smarter than Kiryu, I think, but he's still like in the he's still in that mold of like I just beat the asses that need beaten. Like I don't know I don't <laughs> know much about all this them. politics stuff. Just point me at the bad guys <laughs> yeah. and let me at them. Uh so on the eve of the on the eve of the revolution, and you can feel this wind up coming. They're like, we just gotta have one last secret meeting before we can start this thing off. You, me, and Pops, we're just going to have one final conversation to make sure all our ducks in a row are in a row for tomorrow's big utopian revolution. <laughs> uh, uh, you'll never guess what who shows wow. up at this meeting. It's a ninja. <laughs> uh, and he, he kills Pops. And like the entire, the entire thing is thrown into chaos. Your character is misidentified as the assassin. He flees. And the game proper really picks up. You've been living under an alias in uh, uh, Kyoto, and you decide you get word that uh, the assassin who killed who killed Pops and like uh, you know sort of forestalled this revolution was working for the Shinsengumi, which is like the shogunate's secret police, but. <laughs> they're kind of secret police, but they're so also secret. like a street gang. Yeah, yeah it's like it's, this is, it's yeah, it's this is exactly <laughs> where the preview weird. started. Was right here. I was like, you're going to go do your trial run, your your entry uh, exam, basically. Yeah, and so this is so your character's big idea is like I'm going to become one of the Shinsengumi uh, mm. to try and figure out which of them is the guy who killed Pops. Um. But in the process, you're in that classic. You're in that classic territory of you're so deep undercover now. Are you? Are you just actually maybe just a Shinsengumi? <laughs> are you maybe like, just are you a, like part uh, of the, the, the sleeping of dogs problem? Because <laughs> uh, the because the alias you adopt when people are like, uh, "Welcome to Shinsengumi." Uh, what's your name, uh, Saito Hajime? That's the dude in the Wiki- Wikipedia article who goes on to become <laughs> like uh, a like famous uh, Shinsengumi agent and later uh, like Meiji restorationist. Yeah, Ren. I was just gonna say, man, I remember Sleeping Dogs. I, I I love a game about infiltrating a thing and then slowly and slowly becoming unsure whether or not you are the thing or the thing you eventually began with. Well, and this man. is. And the and the vibes in the Shinsengumi are really good. Like it's a it's a cast of characters. Let me Majima's tell you, Majima's there. Majima's there, but like, and this is the weird thing, but also kind of not Majima. Yeah. yeah, like it's like scarier Majima. Um, <laughs> what if Majima was a little more twisted? <laughs> yeah, uh, where Ooh, where he's just like Joker fight. He, he's the dude in the Shinsengumi who's going around in a blood spattered uh, Haori. Yeah. Because he's like, I just, I'm, I'm in it for the blood. I just, I love fighting people and killing them in the street. And so he's just wandering around with like his garments like dripping in blood. And everyone's like, everyone's like, that's a little weird. Uh, but he is very good. But he's very good at what he does. And he loves it. <sighs> but like, it does have, because again, like, they're kind of the. They're a bit like state police or secret police. They're doing that kind of stuff, like trying to like wipe out um, dissidents and such. But also they're just rolling around the streets, just like killing people in the street uh, that they're like, you look like a loyal samurai. Uh, we're going we're gonna to beat your ass. Uh, but then their internal politics, it's like you joined a mob family. 
and there's all these like weird rivalries and tensions within them. And that's that stuff's all cool. And that makes it fun to sort of see what the next chapter is going to unveil. What's going to happen next? But every time the control reverts to you, it's like it's either a boss battle, which is directly tied to these cutscenes, or it is go wander to point B somewhere on this map. Mm-hmm. Go talk to this guy. And along the way, you're going to get jumped about a half dozen times by three three randos, and you'll just kick their asses. Is is the... So these previous games, I played, you know, I don't know, 10 hours of Yakuza 0, and def, like played enough to, like, I see why people love these games. Not for me, don't have the time, but totally get it. But everything that I've seen, part of the core appeal of these, like, hey, dropped into a really dense world, and uh, like I'm going to get stuck, go off to the corner and do this. Uh, I'm stuck getting off the corner and do that. A little bit of what you're describing is, I still have a big landmass that I got to go from point A to point B, part of the open world. But in the traversal from that point A to point B, it's less that you're getting distracted by, well, I need to go bowling or do karaoke. It's more, well, the game has to fill it with things to do along the way. And what we're filling it with is trash mobs that aren't that interesting to fight because there's not as much filler is the wrong word, but like, I mean, filler in the best possible way with the Yakuza games, because the filler is part of the context of what makes them interesting. Uh, it seems maybe some of that is lacking in it, this one. It, that stuff, the issue is that that stuff still exists, but you still have to walk through the streets, the same streets where you're getting jumped every like other, right? Like, so if you want to go do a side, you decide like, oh, I'm going to go fucking watch some chickens race and bet on them. Uh, you still have to fight all those random encounters along the way, right? Like, it doesn't make that any better. That stuff is still there if you want to spend the time. But you're really spending the time to go do that. Yeah, the city's a labyrinth. Like, this is a huge city. And, Mm -hmm. like, there was a point, like, I was so pissed. I was, like, (laughs) trying to navigate. I was using the compass direction. It was like, it's over here. So I start cutting through streets and everything. No, I've tr- I've wandered onto an island. Yeah, and there's a, dead there's a end channel here. between me and where I want to go. So we got to backtrack through like three districts to loop back <laughs> around uh, to get to this thing that you can just see across the channel. It's like my my kingdom for a gondola. Um, but I think the other thing, Patrick, is like, and maybe this is partly. So I'm more familiar with the Judgment series, so I'll I'll just draw from that. Judgment has an ensemble TV show vibe to it, right? Like it's 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 not a very lonely game. It's actually a very sociable one. Um, like there's stuff like the main plot is interrupted a lot with uh, lots of just hang times between you and your buddies and like cute little adventures. And yeah, sometimes there's tonal whiplash with that, but you just sort of roll with that. But it does mean that there's... Sort of feels like an episodic television show, right? right? Like back when television shows used to be not eight to ten episodes of prestige, like serial storytelling, but like... It's time for the X-Files yeah, comedy episode. Right, like, like hey, like we're telling a story across the season, sort of, but really we have 24 episodes and it's it's hangout time with these different characters and different contests and different tones, which is something really lost in television these days, but sounds like Yakuza or at least Lost Judgment, at least, you know, taps into. It does. And this one, I think partly the problem is, you know, you're you're an undercover, like, operative, effectively. But even more than that, you're an undercover operative, but for nobody. There is no, you are just, you're, you're sort of the classic, like, Ronin on a revenge uh, mission type character. And that's a very lonely narrative position. And your character, 
<laughs> is no FBI equivalent character. to check into. It's just, yeah. it's just you on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when like the story stuff that happens is all advancing your, your time with the, uh, Shinsengumi, which also has a weird side effect, and maybe this is kind of genius, I don't know, but like you end up kind of liking hanging out with the Shinsengumi more because it's like, ah, finally, co workers. <laughs> and like your co workers are like, are they the full fascist of blood murder too? brigade? But it's like, well, man, I love hanging know. out with these guys because the alternative <laughs> is like time to sit alone in my room. Um, so there's it's just, it's it's kind of a it, it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird vibe in terms of uh you just kind of keep advancing the main story stuff and then in between you got to wander through the town and deal with all the 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 bullshit combat and i and i do think the weird quirky little side quests you encounter are just not landing for me as well um i i think that it might partly be it might partly just be for some reason, the tonal mismatch here is a bigger problem than it is in, say, Judgment. Uh, but it also maybe feels like the writing for these things is just missing that sweet spot of, like, being sufficiently witty and goofy in the in the correct balance. And maybe it's just more annoyingly goofy here mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases. There's just a lot of... There's a lot of characters where you run into them and you're you're walking around, you turn a corner, screen cuts to black and a little mini cutscene begins. And like when that happens, my heart just fucking sinks because it's not it's not going to be like a main a mainline cutscene. This is going to be some throwaway cutesy little exchange. And every time it happens, I'm like just going to have to put up with whatever this game's throwing at me for the next like five minutes. And sometimes what it throws at you is one of the weirdest fucking side games. Uh, so there's this thing called an, there's this, this concept called another life. Kata, did you see another life? Did you, were you introduced to no, this? No, I don't think I was. So. <laughs> this is so fucking weird. So. Uh, oh, wait, the house, the house. Yes. Did you see how you get, how you get the house? I I did I did yes I got that and then yes the it's a very weird so the, it, this is a long <laughs> like basically this game pre it's like we want you to have a house where you're tending a garden and building crafting stations and doing basically playing like Stardew Ishin that's the <laughs> that's the whole point here how do we do this well you're going to run into a kindly Shinto priest who is trying to help a young girl uh hold on to her family's home because her parents are dead and they had debts and the landlord is trying to repossess it. And Rion was like, let me see this house. He sees that it's really, it's out in the country. And he's like, this is a really nice house. I know I'm going to pay your debts and you can stay living in your house. And he's like, yay, yay, Saito, you're the best man. And he's like, but now little girl, I'm going to come live here with you. Don't worry, I won't be here that much because I'm going to be really busy in the city with the Shinsengumi killing people in the street. (laughs) But when I'm not, I'm just going to come here and hang out and you just keep the house ready for me and cleaned up. Uh, But you'll get to live here like always. Like, you know, it's your house. I mean, I own it, but it's your house. really. Uh, But like when I come here, also, I might just fuck around with it a little bit like. 
maybe I want to try gardening too. Maybe I'll make some upgrades to your house. And it's just deeply uncomfortable because she's like, okay, that's, yeah, yes, this is very generous. Thank you. It's like, okay, well, keep the house nice and clean for me. Uh, and so it's like, you, re- you rescue this orphan by turning into turning her into your live-in maid yeah. for your country house. But flip side is you get to play sim vacation home, <laughs> sim vacation home country farmer. But like there's an entire like book of quests you can do to like just related to the house. Just related to the house. Ugh. Do uh kind of did they say at all when you saw this game? So this is based on a 2014 game. Mm-hmm. This is a remake of a game that came out originally for the PlayStation 3. How, you know, some of what Rob is talking about, I wonder how much is that related to a game that is ultimately its bones are 2014 yeah. and they're creaky <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's a game from almost a decade ago. Right. Do they talk at all about like, I just have no understanding of like how much of this is just a visual refresh, like right. quality of life, combat improvements, or is this a, you know, we talk a lot about the spectrum of a remake, right? This is clearly in the remake territory, right. but do you have any sense of where that falls on that spectrum? No, not really. They didn't really talk about it like at all. It, but like, given how like it's obviously like it feels like they're rebuilding this thing because like the 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 clearest thing I had was the combat feeling more like the more recent. Uh, yeah, that like, part makes sense. Games yeah. and stuff like that's obviously changed. And like, there's it feels like they're just not using there. There's nothing of the bones there other than possibly the story, right? Like, but also the world. Like that's where I wonder where right. it's like if some of the stuff that Rob is like not not necessarily like gelling with is that just part it's of the fact that like hey, this is this is yeah, this yeah. is a 2014 game that wasn't released outside of outside of uh, Japan and like you know you're it's not a mainline game, right? It's a it's a big deal, but it's not the next you know right. Uh, not Yakuza, but uh, you know, like a dragon, like a dragon uh, game. Yeah. So, well, it's weird because it like at times the product, like there are times where the production values and just the drama of what you're dealing with is, oh, this could be main, this could be mainline. Like this is an incredible <laughs> setting, and like the cast characters that's introduced is really cool. It, um, you know, I think to its credit, there's times where it's like. And we're just going to have characters not shut the fuck up for five minutes because we know you don't know anything about this period. So we're going to explain <laughs> it to you as if yeah. you are a child. And I'm like, thank God. It looks like another life. Another more. life was definitely in the original. And it seems uh, like it has the same setup. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's, it's really. Okay. I mean, so that's, that's yeah. interesting, right? Because I, I think that at least maybe speaks to a little bit of like. Why I can give off some some creaky vibes yeah. uh, if it if 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 a lot of that stuff was you know obviously updated but is still kind of a, the foundation of what they're what they're working with. Kind of, I'm curious. Like you played the Judgment games, right? Uh, not all the way through, but yeah, I've, I've that's touched a classic on the problem. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but here's the other thing: playing this, and I can't put my finger on it, but it does not feel as good to move around or like. I don't know what it is. I need to. I need to. Pl- I need to fire up uh, Lost Judgment to see if this is just in my head or mm-hmm. if it's just um, like the other games I'm playing is caught have caused like a gear to shift loose in my head. Yeah, when I'm it not comes sure. to the way the camera moves, but this feels so incredibly herky jerky. 
I feel, well, I think everything is more, uh, it's more cramped, right? Like all of the streets are narrower because yeah. it's an old, you know, old, I feel like in judgment, like there's more space for the camera to swing around. And maybe that's what you're feeling because I didn't it's, notice that when I was like cutting around a corner sometimes and it got a little awkward. Um, it's not just that. It's like, I am whiffing constantly. I'm like, I am trying to attack toward a guy. Mm-hmm. And I atta- end up attacking like 30 degrees off of him. Mm. And it's happening like <laughs> so often. It's like, this is not, this didn't happen to me as much in judgment. And it's yeah. all, like the, the way, the only way I can put it is like, it, it may- feels almost like my character has like 16 degrees of freedom, but not 360. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like that my character is like moving into like little quadrants. Yeah. But I, I wonder it isn't actually it's- fluidly moving between them. It, it might it might be like a a like if I'm remembering correctly, just like the general feeling I had like fighting in judgment and like more recent the more recent yakuza's there's like a little bit of aim assist where when you're off by like a little bit it kind of like you swing into it a little yeah and like it feels like there's less of that in this one like that 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 window of how far off quote unquote you can be is yeah very very small and the guns really drive it home because right. uh in, in lost judgment <laughs> it's all like grab a trash can and kill a guy with it sorry beat a guy up with it uh lost uh ishin is like one of the first things you get from your brother is like check this out it's a gun it's a gun <laughs> and, and you guys like oh man this is gonna change everything. Like, what good? Are, what good are swords gonna be? It's like ah, there's still gonna be places for swords, but yeah, any asshole can use a gun, and you can be that asshole. So there's gunman Why not style. Both? <laughs> yeah, there's gunman style where you just stand there and like blast away at people. In which case, your gun develops a weird recoil that throws you back like two feet at a time, so you can control distance better. Mm-hmm. But then there's uh oh man, what the fuck is it? Um, the wild uh, spirit or something or wild yeah, something uh, wild dancer dancer yeah gun in one hand katana in the other you can't parry but you can dodge roll effectively mm-hmm. and this is like this is the thing that breaks the game open because like <laughs> okay doing the sword style where you're like just wielding your katana oh very tricky uh mm. lots of weird like parry timings lots of ways to get into trouble Dodge rolling behind people and just shooting them six times with a gun. Very easy. <laughs> very good. What's the parry what's the parry timing on a bullet? None. <laughs> it's in your none. fucking gut mm-hmm. and you're dead. <laughs> and then oh, the, the, obliterated the little, unless you're riding. The little like cutscene animations, like when you get a when you use up your, your meter for like a yeah. sweet parry. Yeah. Your character will like sidestep a guy. The description of this is like you'll shoot them in the spine <laughs> and then they'll drop and you'll like jam your katana into them. This will not kill them. Like the <laughs> this thing is this game is full of the gnarliest animations yeah. where it's like you basically but you shish kebab a dude. Massive on the, damage. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, exactly. It's like this guy is dead. Like you just you see it's like it's like Tom Cruise and collateral killing those mm. dudes in the alley. Where it's just like you, you get the close up on the gun being push to the guy's head effectively and yeah. like the trigger being pulled and then the fight ends and everyone's like, we're really sorry. We didn't mean it. 
<laughs> this is basically how Kato and I's dwarf for- re- most recent Dwarf Fortress stream went with uh, our militia commander uh, 1v8ing a bunch of goblins and just like doing the most grisly shit I think that I've ever read in a video game <laughs> to these motherfuckers and then he'll be like the goblin fell unconscious no he didn't <laughs> like, no he didn't is that fucker dead <laughs> I just stabbed through his spine twice he's gone <laughs> yeah he is he's with Armok now <laughs> like I don't know what to say to you Gabo um um the the other thing I, I kind of dig and I'm curious how this unfolds further but like it's a very big game, mm-hmm. uh, and they all are. They, <laughs> have you finished? Have you finished any of the ones you've started? No, I finished Judgment. Okay, like, Judgment. Like I, I went back and I had a little holiday. Like I'm going to finish Judgment this year, year after it came out. Okay. And I did, uh-huh. and that uh-huh. was time well spent. That rule, that did great dating well. Uh, but a plot arc, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Is you reunite with your brother in Kyoto, and he is now running the loyalist party by himself, but he's also effectively taken your stepdad's position that uh, he is now like the magistrate or at least like helping be magistrate for this district. And so he has moved smoothly into the, we have to make certain compromises to advance the revolutionary cause He's like, you know, you can't, he's like, we have to work with some of these people. We have to take these steps or else all this is for nothing. And your character is very much in the mold of like, you're just selling out, man. Like you are like, this is, you can tell yourself whatever you want, but like, this is a complete betrayal of your own principles of, of of our dads. Uh, You know, this is, this is disgusting to me, but also your, your vision is, I just want, I just want revenge. It's not like you sold out your, your, your politics. It's as, as much as you just don't understand the importance of, carving our bloody swath through the Shinsengumi to find the guy who killed dad. But I am interested in this notion of uh, there, like to what degree are we going to see sort of that pivot point of like revolutionary politics play out in the mm. story uh, where I'm real uncertain what the game actually makes of your brother, whether, whether it wants us to regard. Is there him. any evidence of stuff like this in the other games? Like I, my, I know that there are, serious melodramas but i i don't have any sense of what are the what are the the like a dragon slash yakuza games saying about like structures the world around them like i always see the people with the goofs and i know that people really love the characters and are crying when some of them die but i i I never get any sense of is there evidence in the other games to illustrate where maybe it might be going or even i would definitely go to like judgment Judgment in particular is 100% about, like, the death of the Yakuza order, uh, effectively. Uh, like, Judgment is, that thing's tensions, that, that thing's tension really is set around this idea of the Yakuza, like, are spent force, effectively, and everyone knows it. And a lot of that is about what is the value of, like, our codes, our creed, if it's, you know, it, it's a bit of the... um it's a bit of the line in no country for old men. Uh, you know, if you're, what is it? If you're, if your principles led you to this point of, of what use uh, were the principles, uh, that's, that's kind of where judgment unfolds. Um, and so these are games that, that deal with things of like on the like concepts of honor, ideology, uh, codes of conduct, uh, expedience. And 
so this is very much in in line with those, and this, those are generally things that the series handles pretty well. Uh, so I, I do think it will. I, I do think that'll be worth seeing the payoff. But you just keep coming back to. But to get to the payoff, it's a lot of like, oh, samurai, can you help me do this? It, can you fish for me? I can't fish. Did you do the mochi thing? Did you fish for them? Oh yeah, I solved the mochi mystery. So, yeah, yeah. A fun little yeah, no, like this riddle. Guy, <laughs> somebody <like. laughs> stole somebody stole my mochi that I was saving for my lunch from the fr- from the fridge at work. These mm-hmm. five employees all have different stories. Who two of them are lying? Who were the two mochi thieves? And when you find the mochi thief, could you stab that motherfucker in the spine <laughs> for me? I need you to put him in the ground. I mean, don't kill him, but like, like you know, massive damage. Massive damage. Into the ground. Apology. Impale and him is into the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, that was, it, it's stuff like that. Uh, that is, you know, it might be cute, but I'm like, I don't know. I think if, I discovered that, like, hey, good news, we made an anime about this entire story. I'd be like, thank God. <laughs> wow. Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, fingers crossed for that. Uh, we are going to take a short break here, and we'll be back uh, after this. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we're back. Uh, Ren, you've been playing a bit more Darkest Dungeon 2. Yes, I've been checking. I check in with Darkest Dungeon 2 once every, like, six months to see uh, if they made a version of that game I like yet. Um, they announced the 1.0 is in May yes May 8th it is coming out May 8th and I will be really interested to see the changes between now and then Um, they just added actually the Vestal uh, one of the primary characters from the first game Uh, they have added the Vestal uh, back into Darkest Dungeon 2 as of literally two days ago uh, which is why I went back to see to like check out the new character and see all of the meta progression stuff that was not as well developed last time I played. Can you remind um, folks like what is the setup for Darkest yeah, Dungeon? Because that game has been a been a minute. So uh, Darkest Dungeon Two is um, a rogue a run based roguelike sequel uh, to the original Darkest Dungeon, uh, where the original Darkest Dungeon has you effectively building a little hamlet and filling it with like grimy little guys and then sending them into various dungeons to, um, basically, uh, put back the ancient evil that your ancestors, uh, unleashed upon the world. Right. And it's your job to assemble teams of adventurers to go in there into the darkest dungeon to try and push back on those evils. Right. 
That's the first game. Extremely well-beloved uh, turn-based RPG. Darkest Dungeon 2 is a run-based roguelike spin on that, that instead of having you building a hamlet over time, instead you are going into a... Uh, you're you're trying to go to a mountain, a mountain full of evil monsters. It is it is it is leaning even further into like the history of Lovecraft, right? With with uh, you know the mount the the titular mountain of madness, right? Um, and it drops the Hamlet progression for a more traditional roguelike run based structure where you are unlocking things over time. Uh, and, you know, unlocking more trinkets, unlocking more characters, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on these, like, two to three hour long runs. Like, we, these are not, like, insignificant runs. This is, like, two How, to how long is an average run, a successful run, even if it doesn't result in beating the game in, in the original? How, how long would that go for? I mean... It was variable. It's very, yeah, like, uh, it depends on, like, the length of a dungeon, right? A, mm. a dungeon that, that was partly how they metered difficulty, was that, like, you would have your quick strikes that was, like, what, like, 20 minutes in a dungeon versus 15, multi-stage, 20. like, you're going to be here for about hour, hour and a half. Yeah, mm. 15 to 20 to an hour is what I would, is what I would generally put it at, right? Um, versus this game, which is two and a half to three hour long runs. Um, when it goes well, um, emphasis on when it goes well, because since the last time that I've played, they have cataclysmically fucked the balancing. They have, I don't know, I don't know what they did, but when I was playing six months ago, uh, when you're going to this mountain, right, with all of your, you pick four characters at the beginning of your run, you put them in their little places, you see their little quirks, right? And then you go venture into these different areas in an FTL-esque map structure, right? It is doing the node-based map that you move through and can, like, predict over time, right? And I was getting to, like, the third, sometimes even the fourth area pretty consistently on, like, the standard difficulty, right? On the, on the, on the first, like, pass-through, right? I wasn't winning, but I was, like, getting there, Right? I'm struggling to get out of the first area now without having my entire team just obliterated, just reduced to ash by enemy encounters that at this point do not feel like it doesn't feel like player error, right? Like I am going up against things that is just like, oh, cool. To get through this area, you have to fight this group of enemies who can just wipe you. Like you can go in with full health and no stress and these bitches will just wipe you. Uh, and I don't know the counterplay other than simply be luckier. Well, I mean, um, is, is, is some of that potentially related to the change in meta structure in which a lot, like I haven't played darkest dungeon, but I've played a lot of, you know, rogue legacy or a dead cells, you know, games in which you are going back to, to mm-hmm. unlock things over time to that aid in the progression in which there is essentially, there are artificial barriers that like, look, there is no luck. There is no optimal path. Like you are just going to die because part of how this game works is that you're got you have to cut you have to go in unlock things to to go forward and maybe maybe you can luck your way there but broadly speaking the game wants you to hit a wall die come back and go forward and is i wonder if some of the friction you're having is related to the developers putting up these artificial barriers that feel a lot different than your experience in the in the first one or if it's truly just a, a matter of like a mismatch of balancing for an opening act 
Oh, I mean, like if 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 they are trying to kill you uh, to make you do the progression shit, um, I think that is bad design. Point A, like point A, I think that's a mistake. Uh, and point B, you're not getting that right. Like in in the world you're talking about, right, with a rogue legacy, when you die, you get enough resources to significantly improve between each run, or like you know improve in a noticeable way the resources at your disposal between each run, right? In Darkest Dungeon, if you die before you get to the second inn, you are taking four candles back. Four candles, like candles are what you use to, uh, is what the meta progression is is built on, right? You use candles of hope, right? It takes 64 candles to fill out the tree of a given character it takes six just to unlock them and so if you're spending an hour to get four candles and then getting killed at the first in that is not even enough to like unlock a character it's not enough to unlock a significant number of trinkets like this game wants you to be getting dozens on a run it seems, or like at least a dozen on a run. And if you can't get to that first in, that's just not what you're doing. And you're kind of just sitting there waiting for the game to start. Um, And the other thing is that like, the first Darkest Dungeon is a mean game, without a doubt. It is a game that wants to be like, haha, get fucked, idiot. However, it's haha get fucked idiot is set in a meta structure where you can be like, damn, you really fucked me. I'm just going to roll up another squad and, and, and do this again, where this is your squad wipes. You are done. You are out. Uh, and then it it's this like much less engaging and like fun gameplay loop despite the fact that they improved the combat like that's the, that's the wild shit is that like the combat systems they have implemented and the relationship systems they have implemented would have made the first game exponentially better but the meta structure they have created have has completely undercut any interesting things that they could have been doing for me at least like the story of a Darkest Dungeon campaign is usually the story of, like, you build characters, and those characters, you become attached to them, eventually they die, right? Darkest Dungeon 2 wants you to have that emotional arc over the course of a single run um, with significantly fewer characters, mm. and then has put in tools that let you do that. They added a relationship system where if characters do things that the other likes or have com- or like complementary personalities, they build affinity over time and affinity can lead to them developing positive or negative relationships. Um, and those positive and negative relationships affect combat um, and also like affect how those characters interact with one another. Right. That's a great system. It works really well, actually. Um it would have worked better if you were building those relationships over the course of multiple runs, because right now everything is happening both too slowly because, you know, it's using this FTL based map structure that is really slow because you have to sit there 
and wait as you drive your wagon down the road from one node to the next. And that takes like two minutes of just holding W. Do you want to hold W and nothing else for two consecutive minutes? Well, I like to win. That's great. Well, Patrick, I regret to inform you. This is sadly Darkest Dungeon. And so you will not win. You will hold W for two minutes and be like, damn, I've been holding W. Surely this will. I've been holding L, actually, for the yeah, last two minutes. I've been holding an L for the last 10 minutes. Um, and yeah, the, the combat system they've done is the first game was a lot of like mischances and all that bullshit, right? Like, oh, I have a 77% chance to hit. This game does away with that. It, it switches to a token system where if you are attacking an enemy and you are not blind and they are not dodging you, you will always hit. If the enemy has a combo token, your ability will always activate its combo effect. And the system that they've designed is really fun and engaging. They have also made the balance such that, like, it doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't matter if you play well. You will start a round, you will start a game, you will start a, a fight, and four enemies will have acted and killed one of your characters before you get to act at all. And, like, you are not replenishing characters between inns. Like, it is not like, oh, I leave the inn and I find someone along the way to replace the person I lost. No, if you lose someone like that, you're down to three people for the foreseeable, like, 45 minutes. Um, and I just... It's so weird to play a game that, on every individual level, feels like it is working. And to then have a meta structure that undercuts all of it so totally. Uh, especially after they had a meta progression that worked previously. Um, and I get why they wanted to do something different, but it's just, I, I don't know what they did in the last few months, but they made a frustrating game even more frustrating. Uh, and I don't know if I'm like completely misunderstanding how to play it or if that is just what it is. Well, that doesn't, I'm I'm the camp that I found like darkest dungeon setbacks were a bit much for me to take. Like it was like I can't I can't replenish my stock of good characters so I can throw myself at this mission again and watch a bunch of them get worked again. Like so that you know that that was a great game in a lot of ways, but even then the 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 punishment to effort level was was too high. Uh, yeah, this sounds. This sounds like it's leaning all the way in on uh, on some of the most com- confronting aspects of that game. Yeah, and I, I get how they're trying. I get what they're trying to do. I just don't. I just don't think it is landing, and don't think it like the issues with meta progression or something you can fix between now and release. I ju- I just don't because it is like a fundamental design philosophy that I think has taken them down a route that. It doesn't seem like people love. Uh, if you look in like the like Reddits and like communities for the game, people are not thrilled about Darkest Dungeon 2. Not just because it isn't Darkest Dungeon 1 again, but also because like the loop just isn't hitting for some people, no. uh, myself included. And if you're going to make a sh- big shift in loop, then like you, you got to pull it off. Um. Yeah. Well, bummer. 
we'll see if uh we'll see if there's a course course correction between now and release um but yeah that that seems like a very frustrating place uh, to find the game right now so speaking of runs that came to a dark end uh what did we all think of that most recent last of us Patrick, you, you now <laughs> caught up, right? You, you had a chance you get to watch it without Christ. the little watermarking on it. Uh, I did. Yes. The uh, Again, we're going to mark the spoilers. We're just talking about the episode. So, you know, I, I don't want to have to dance around. The big, the big boy was there. The big boy was big. The big boy was good. <laughs> the big boy didn't throw any spores. The big boy didn't throw any spores. I was like, Patrick's going to be so upset that no, he was just I, big. I I I knew that's what they were going to do. Like it's too video gamey to have the big boy do any like the, what the big boy did was show up, rip a man's head off, and that was the display of of his power. I apparently I didn't believe it was in half. He deserved a ranged attack. <laughs> <laughs> they originally conceptualized the death of uh, that character, who I I, I guess was uh, played was the actor who played Tommy in in the games um, was kind of like that sidekick. Oh, uh, that's fun. Beard guy? character. Yeah. 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 Apparently all the principal cast has some sort of huh. a range of a cameo or acting role. I think uh, Ashley Johnson, who plays Ellie is, will at some point play uh, Ellie's mother in some sort of scene. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, they, tr- they apparently, they wanted the, 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 the big boy to rip him in half and they spent a bunch of time logistically trying to figure out how to digitize the hand, the, the ripping in half, and decided it it didn't make it didn't make enough practical sense. No, so instead, that's... they had to go with the head, and the head was good. The, yeah. head, the head the head was fine. It was it was brutal in its own way. But you know, I had forgotten. I had not gotten far enough in our playthrough of the PS5 update, and so I'd kind of I knew these characters were coming. You forgot but what I happened had, to those kids. At the I end. had forgotten the oh, specific man. beats, which was kind of, which frankly <sighs> yeah. was kind of cool because we got, we meet these characters and immediately like my wife turned to me. She's like, all right, well, like how, how tragic. And I was like, I probably tragic, but I don't remember. So I can't even spoil it for you or even like give a sort of, ah, you know, sort of response. Uh, so I actually didn't know where it was going uh and also was kind of open to interpretation on hey at this point the show has diverged geography this is kansas city as opposed to pittsburgh the the sidetrack with with bill like i wouldn't be shocked if they decided to change up a tragedy and have these characters stick around for a little bit longer it's funny to me that you say they they changed geography because the second they rounded that fucking corner and i saw the corridor i was like i fucking remember what oh fuck (laughs) god damn it (laughs) What I was saying is, it's funny. Do you need to do your bit again? Was it a bit or a comment? <laughs> it was a comment. It was a comment. I was well. I was just saying it's funny that you say that they've changed geography because they've changed locations. But the second they round that fucking corner and the snipers in the nest, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this fucking corridor in the game. Like I remember mm-hmm. this exact like jumping from car to car, going around the back of the house. The whole thing mm-hmm. was like ingrained in my mind so i was like ge- ge- geographically the, the the setting was exactly how i remembered it from the game and we got a sniper scope uh sequence yeah uh, having established that joel is is not like an immortal zombie killer he's just an average guy he proceeds with and with a like 
misfiring or at least a poorly maintained he was, bolt action rifle. He was an average guy headshot. 20 years ago, Rob. He's survived this long. You got to learn how to shoot at some point. No, no. no. This, Kyle, was, this was unreal. He in the dark. Yeah. Uh, no, like headshotting every single uh, zombie that, that came near uh, Ellie. Right, it's the fact that he gets the ones that are near Ellie. Yeah. Like, we are talking, like, moments inches away from our girl's head. He is just not missing <laughs> uh, until his rifle finally uh, jams. But it's... it's. Here's the thing. I... That part of the sequence, I liked a lot. Like, the actual, like, uh, uh, escape. Like, the, the, the chaos was cool. I do think that the sinkhole opening up underneath that fucking car is one of the goofiest things that I have seen in this show so far. And I'm glad it happened. It was a great popcorn moment, but I was like, all right, cool. I'm, che- I'm checking out of the, of the operative logic of this world for a little bit because I, it's just, it's so goofy. Well, I, don't I, don't think know, I, I kind I of loved I, it. Like, yeah, I loved it too because I think it's a reminder. We've talked about this where like, this is highbrow walking dead, right? Like it is, right. It is capable of great dramatic heights, but I I think it's actually good that it's willing to, I don't know, have a little B-movie moment, like ha- have just a, a rush of 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 goofiness. Uh, and it's one of those where like, actually, they do a decent job of not necessarily foreshadowing it. It is the kind of thing where usually you would have, I mean, they sort of do with like the sinkhole, but even that's going to happen in the city. Like, oh, they're going to mm. kidnap, they're going to take everyone back. Then something's going to come out of that hole like when they go back to the city. And so the fact that it happened there, I mean, I just I was I was dying. Well, and, I was like, and the, the perfect timing, the like the correlation of the like hubris and nemesis happening mm-hmm. here <laughs> where she's where she's literally giving her like, you know, this is just how life is like. Sorry, kid. Uh, get used to it. Child. And then turns around as, oh, that's right. Like. All of this is because we're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse and like just falls silent as she realizes like she's literally uh, brought her entire army out onto the equivalent of like the thawing out lake. <laughs> and they are about to they're about to crack through the ice but like in reverse. Like I, I thought it was so it was it was so good. Um, and the implication, right, is like Casey is now fucked. That was the entire like. Those were all the people with guns. Yeah. And we know that the sinkholes extend into the city. Like, literally, because she took her eye off the ball and devoted everything to this, like, maniacal quest for revenge. Like, the city's gone now. Yeah. And uh, let me be clear. Let me just know one thing. When I said goofy, I was not trying to be mean. Like, when I say <laughs> I turn my shit off, that was not a, that is not a negative. I want to be I want to be clear. I think it was very, I think it was a really fun and funny sequence that had some like genuinely like probably the best, like some of the best shot moments in the show so far for me. Yeah, I think, again, this speaks to we were talking about what happens in this adaptation, the kind of push and pull between, uh, you know, Craig Mason, the showrunner and, and Neil Druckmann. And again, I had to look up. I was like, well, was Henry and Sam like. Was sign language a thing in the game? Like, I, I think I would yeah. have remembered that. And it's like, it's not. Like, that was added as part of the adaptation. Um, it's not present in in the game. And I think it's, you know, there's a fine line between, like, adding something like that just to, like, add a flourish to a character. But I think it went a long way towards, a st- like, 
when you need an episode to hyper establish a personal connection between these characters, I think like the care and attention that Henry shows towards Sam, like, for example, uh, not telling when someone asks, I think it was LAS, like, how old is he? He asks Henry asks Sam to explain how old he is to Ellie. And like there are little moments like that that set up, you know, that biting line towards the end where like, why does he get to live? Why does everyone have to die? Which she's got a she's got a point, right? Like there's I mean, like, you know, this is a, there's a little bit of killmonger, you know, sort of like uh like the the bad the, the ostensible bad person here has a point, and then we're just gonna kill them off tragically at the end as we bury and move on to the next scene. I I I do not think that she has a point because what the what the sign language does for me in terms of like what this characterization is doing and how it's like shifting uh Henry and Sam's like relationship to the rest of the city is that like I get the impression that they were like this kid isn't worth saving. Right? Like that is the that is the like the implied thing is that like Sam doesn't have anyone else who is looking out for him like that. Right? Like if the rest of this community is pretty well internet at this point uh, after the revolution, right? N- nobody's watching out for this kid. And so... Well, he's it, dying of leukemia, right? Like, this is not... I don't think... That it, I think her point was not necessarily that we can't take care of a kid that is that his life disability. Is worth the, it's the that, life of... Yeah. Right. Right. It's uh, the life of her brother was worth sacrificing so you could get your medicine. And the I, I would imagine that spread beyond just her brother, right? Like, there were consequences wider... Than, than her brother going into federal control and then and dying. So that's that's where I mean, like, yes, obviously, you know, like <laughs> this is a villainous way to handle the situation that is kind of pumped up. But it is true. And it's, it's look, I'm a dad. Like, I, I got kids. Like, I get it. Probably would have sold out those motherfuckers, too, uh, to get my kid, like, the medicine. Doesn't mean I can't acknowledge that, like, yeah, you know, in the grand scheme of things, of the, the context of this world, that, yeah, like, it's one kid. A lot of people probably died in the process. But, you know... There's no easy answers, right? I don't think it's like a clear that like, hey, right. we should have gone, we should have done things her way. But I think it gives the character a little more weight, given like what Henry sacrificed. Yeah, uh, but, or, what, of but, others but her position, but she's like, but I'm going to kill the kid, too, because like he doesn't get to live because of right. what you did. Right. I agree. Like, that's know, yes. Like, so that's that's the thing is like where she like she's gone beyond score settling and she's going to this like uh, like again, uh, really like vicious retribution uh, approach. But I do think um, like it's a memorable performance, uh, her sort of recognizing that like knowing fully and like truly that she is, she is the evil person in the story, at least one of the evil people that like the, the, the kinder more like uh, open hearted revolutionary was her brother and he died and Ergo, oh, that scene is great. That scene yeah. is great. And the in the in in the right. The children's and his bedroom. response is he never changed anything you did. Uh, and like the the little implication there. Well, it's kind of left un- unanswered. Maybe he would have. He just didn't get the time to do it. Or maybe like throwing off Fedra did require someone with this sort of bloodthirst uh, in there, there. There's a second thing though. It's not just that she believes like that she's looking for revenge. It is that she frames the revenge as an act of fate itself. And this is where, like, the stuff around uh, uh, disability and, and, and Henry kind of becomes interesting to me is the fact that, like, she, this is a woman who makes it very clear that she believes in a world where some people are supposed to live and some people are supposed to die. And that, like, 
the the movement of of history and of fate is is in some way predetermined and that she's just following the path set out for her in doing all of this and i think that like that is an ideology that go that is expressed throughout these episodes uh 4 and 5 that goes beyond i am looking for revenge for my brother it is like I am looking for revenge for my brother and because the line of fate has been severed and so or has been changed in some way and makes that very clear. And that's why I I think that um, her perspective is an interesting foil to Sam and Henry, right, where, you know, Sam is fundamentally rejecting the idea that some people are just supposed to die. Uh, in you know trying to get that medication for his brother, that is that is a ideological rejection as much as it is like a personal protection of his younger brother. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good touches as well. Like they they add a moment at the end where um, so the sequence that plays out in the hotel is pretty. Well, you know, it's shot differently. I go look up the cinematographer for the show was like tweetings how they did like some of the lighting like trickery in that hotel sequence uh, towards the end where you kind of think everything's going to be okay. It's really neat. But I, it was, I wasn't again, like I was having to like look up, like what did they change? And the, the meaningfully, the only thing they really changed in the hotel sequence is that Ellie, you know, cognizant of that. She has potentially this magical blood when she discovers that uh, Sam has been bit, like cuts herself and tries to like, I don't know, help him and i think that that's like a much more beautiful way to handle the, the, the their their relationship I, again i can't remember exactly how yeah. it plays out in the game but it felt like in the show i think that sequence where they go underground and they find like the kind of kindergarten area mm-hmm. i think that is present in in the game as well but and i'm glad they kept stuff like that where like they allowed those these two actors to like bond and like i by the end of the episode like was completely bought into the fact that like look show's not gonna do it like, they're not going to do the mean thing. Like, we'll do that in a couple episodes, but, like, we're going to have a, a, a group of uh, of travelers together. And, you know, the, the, the show sticks to its guns and stuck, st- stuck to the source material. But I think that you've had just a little added moment of Ellie, tra- you know, especially given where this story goes, mm-hmm. right? And, like, the, the notion of Ellie and agency and and uh, Joe's resp- like participation uh, in, in, in what she is or isn't allowed to, to do. Uh, I think that was... That is only going to ratchet up the feeling of what happens later in this story mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. more as a result of that direct action. And I find that to be a really noteworthy additive element mm-hmm. to the to the overall story. Well, it was there in the original game to an extent like what the stakes are to an extent that like. Right now, the world is such that uh, what happens to Sam can just happen to anyone and they're just dead. Like there's no like th- th- there's no coming back from it like this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, scratch or a bite can be can be fatal. And that's that's the ball game. And, you know, what what Joel sort of prevents at the end of the, the game is like, you know, po- maybe finding the cure that enables that world to be brought to an end to to sort of make it so that it's not a death sentence that sort of hangs over the rest of the game. And by Ellie, by Ellie being involved more closely in this, uh, I think they do sort of uh, emphasize her perspective in all of this. On the other hand, though, um, oh, Ellie, probably like it, so in the game of memory serves, he's just turned the next day. It's like bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's how they, they find out here. It's like. The 
lack of ability to prepare for this, to reconcile to what's happening, leads to a sort of recreation of what happens in the game where, like, Henry has to make a split-second decision, uh, you know, to save Ellie or shoot, um, you know, what's become of Sam. Uh, and he does, and then ends the same way that he's overcome by that and takes his own life. Um, and here it's like, you know, it's, we, we, like, we have now, like, Sam knows he's sick. You know, like, there's a, mo- there's like, there was a the window for like reconciling to this that is lost, um, which kind of just like makes it sadder in some ways that like it's, it converges back to what happens in the game in part because like, like once again like henry does not get any chance to process this Mm -hmm. and it's also like the other thing i'll say about this scene is that like for me it's a it's a really well done character moment for ellie as well because like this is the most like oh she's a kid this is the most like this is still a like 13 year old yes magical thinking right i'll just put my blood in here and you'll be okay if i am the cure if i am immune then i am the literal cure my blood will be enough and it's not and like and she the fact that she has that moment of magical thinking and then goes i'm gonna try and stay up with him just to make sure well they're also like reading superhero comics right like i think that is like that that is a through line in the magical thinking is that oh like they will even in you know a scenario like this, you will grasp onto the notion of like basic ideas of good and evil, and like that your blood can be a cure, right? And like this is part of things. Like in in some ways, there are, that is the other ideology that is like being questioned in this episode, right? Is is the both like rev like the uh, uh, revenge based thing, and the you know the threat of fate cannot be severed bullshit, and then also this like child childlike magical thinking, and that like both things collapse by the end of this uh, in a way that I find like interesting. Yeah, and I'd have to look up the scene in the game, but the way uh, the actress plays Ellie after this, where you know Joel you know, wants to, you know, bury them and sort of there's kind of a memory. Ellie is hardened. Like she, you know, someone who opened herself up for a moment to the notion of happiness and caring for another person. And it is immediately snatched, not even just snatched from her, but like in the most heartbreaking, heart-wrenching way possible. Because Joel is a father figure. Like it's not a friend. Uh, It's not uh, someone that you can be on the level with. And, and this is the Sam is the closest that she has had to that implied to be in a very long time. Right. And the coldness that she has out of that scene is chilling uh, opposite well, the this... version of the characters she has, she has played, which Ellie in the game is already a sort of like, you know, uppity and like snappy sort of character. And I think that has just been amplified in, in the show. And so to see the immediate turnaround of that is really sharp. And I'm curious what implications that has for going forward. Kato, I know you were about to say something. Well, I was just going to say, well, I think it's especially hard because it's like, I have like a small, I don't know, thing with this, this, this scene where like, I can't forget about Riley who they've mentioned. So we know exists. And it's like, like the sentiment was like when they when the scene was happening, I kind of assumed she was gonna do this and like 
tire him out, get him to bed, and then go tell one of the adults. Right? Like, that's the kind of Ellie at in the game that I felt like I like they pushed more was like she had already seen this happen once to somebody else that she loved. Right? Like and like I think it does it does still make sense, obviously, but like it, it kind of took me out in that morning just because I was I expected the slightly more like, well, I know how this is going down response than the other thing. And I thought it was more of a moment of connection and less of like a, I actually believe this will, was, this will work. Um, but like the, the hard, the, the, the swap, the like switch to hardness, like I think especially mm-hmm. hits knowing that this isn't the first time it's like, it, this is a, the recognition of a pattern at this point. It's like, Oh, I like pe- people who I like for people who I think are friends, they're going to die to the zombie, like the zombie play. <laughs> it's not just that they're going to die to it. But again, the suggestion is that Ellie killed Riley, right? Like that is, that is the, there is a, in, there is a suggestion of that in the dialogue. And I think that like the fact that it is not just that Ellie is losing people to the, uh, you know, this disease, right. To, to the cordyceps, right. It is that she is losing them and she is not taken by it. She right. will she will always be the survivor and not just the survivor, but the like thing that leads directly to she will be the person pulling the trigger because like even if she's not pulling the trigger against like Sam, he is literally on top of her and the bullet passes through his head. And so both times she ends up feeling like a murderer and like a failure in these moments of connection. And I think that like I don't even know if I read her walking away from the graves as particularly cold um because like man there have been funerals that you just walk away from and it doesn't hit you until like months later uh i think i think it's hit her i just think she's pushing it down i I, you know when Mm. she leaves the note right like with the that heart-wrenching moment where he asks you know am i still me when i'm a monster or whatever the that that line is that's what she allows herself is that moment because to give anything more at least in, in that in that specific moment is to right. have lost. She, she would just completely lose herself. And so I think right. there's a there's a bit of a jollification of Ellie to some degree in that moment of just, oh, OK, I, I'll acknowledge what happened here. But hey, Joel, pack your shit up. Let's get right. going. Yeah. Yeah, it was. um, It's uh, grim ending, but it's well, it, the entire arc was well executed. Uh, It was we didn't linger too long on it. I thought it was a. A, a good decision, I think, in the end to establish a politics and identity for this faction, because um, that doesn't really exist in the Pittsburgh sequence. The Pittsburgh sequence, it's like you wander into Mad Max town, uh, but there's not really a sense of like, who are these people? What are what are they up to? Uh, but here I, I did enjoy the idea that uh, both that like Fedra kind of takes on a different cast, just uh, depending on where you are and who happened to be there, like the notion that they had successfully tamped down the infection or so they thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and the realization that, well, actually it just took on a different form that rather than f- like, you know, going into the tunnels, they moved into creating their own tunnels uh, effectively ar- around the city. I thought that was a, that was a cool choice. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, a terrific episode. Um, you know, a hell of, hell of a, set piece there at the end as the as that little army is is overwhelmed uh and i'm i I am kind of curious now if that means we're in for a couple more like quiet like you know traveling traveling the road uh style episodes but 
well, yeah, we'll they got a lot of story thing. to cover before we get to the to the conclusion. And you know, these seasons aren't particularly long, so I'm I'm curious how they are getting. And they've said the season will end with, you know, how the game ends. So we're that's a lot of ground to cover for sure. It's a lot of ground to cover. All the winter stuff with Ellie when she's on her own, like, you know, maybe some of that will get truncated or told in a different way. But uh, at some point, like the rubber is meeting the road on like the second half of this game. And I don't think they have the episodes at the pace they're going and to pull it off as one to one. Right. And they've yeah, that's going to be incorporated somehow, I'm sure. So do we know like what the what the season length it like the announced season length reminds it like 12 episodes or is it eight? I doubt it, I it was eight 10. Or 10. I would imagine. Yeah, it was 10? It was 10. Okay. So I guess we're halfway through. So um, I'm trying to see. Uh, do, 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 do. Nine. 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 So there Nine? are four. There are four left. Um, that is. You know, they can also do a super. You know, I mean, like wouldn't shock me if the fi- you know, final two oh, yeah. were. 90 minutes long, mm. you know, sort of a movie size. But still, it's a lot. It is. It's a lot of ground to cover if you know where yeah. where this is all going. <laughs> I mean, episode one um, was already 81 minutes, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah. We can, uh, <laughs> based on the preview, we get Tommy next episode, right? Yes. Yes. Like, which itself, which itself is changing the timeline. Right? That's that's essentially pulling from. Does that happen in the first? Do they meet? So this is weird. So I remember they, the they find part Tommy stuff, at the right? dam. Yeah. And then they have, in my memory, they have the university sequence first, and then it's winter. So yeah. I think Wait, this really? is still in line with uh, huh. with chronology in the game. I don't think okay. Tommy's a spring character. I think he's a fall gotcha. character. Um, But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll know soon enough. Uh, Patrick, real quick here. Um, you beat Dead Space Remake. How I, I am, do you? <laughs> Rob, we're gonna be doing these streams for a while. <laughs> I just want to play. Uh, I kind of play more Dead Space, and now it's like really weird because now it's like, am I gonna like play through the bits now I've already played on stream and catch up, and then have a pat? Like, it's gonna be real weird when I'm playing the same sequences like back to back, day by day. I think you uh, just gotta wait. I think we'll pick that up next week. But I, yeah, I've been playing, trying first trying to keep pace with our streams, and then managed to get over that hump and 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 was past it uh yeah i finished it up the <laughs> final boss sucked in the first game sorry it's not very good in the new <laughs> game either not very much you can do about that sequence i think other than remove it entirely um uh you know talking about last of us and goofy sequences you know dead space has a you know the necromorphs are kind of a goofy setup anyway, but like, boy, it goes real over the top by the end as you introduce the hive mind and things like that. The game's also too long. I like the by the time you get to the last couple hours of of the remake, I'd be I'll be curious as we continue the streams how different this feels in the original. But it's kind of you know there's a whole lot in the last four hours of hey this marker gotta move it. Can you lift this bridge up? Fight six enemies, lift this bridge up, fight six enemies. Like, oh, the hunter's back. We haven't met the hunt. Mm, you haven't met the hunter. You haven't done the hunter yet. Uh, but yeah, it's the it's the the character that can regenerate limbs and, yeah. and things like that. And it's just sort of the back third of this game is pretty repetitive. Um, in a way that it remains entertaining, but was mostly entertaining as a result of me. Well, I guess I'll just start using different weapons to try and mix yeah. up the mm. what I'm doing and. In, I don't remember how the second game plays out, if it has a similar vibe towards like it's it's sec, it's like latter half, but 
it was the kind of thing where it's like, okay, I know we were mostly being additive here, but this could have actually been something where we were taking away things in the last third of the game and making it, a, it better. But like top to bottom, tremendous like accomplishment, like wonderful revisitation of a game that I already loved quite a bit. And uh, so I'm glad to be done with it because it was, I was spending most of my free nights like anxious and stressed and stressed out. And so to a certain point, it was like, I need to beat this game so I can just be released from its <laughs> grasp and I could play something delightful after my children are asleep instead of like having my heart pound out of my chest for uh, the millionth uh, time, especially when they start. Rob, you remember the, um, I think it's called, the ship is called the Valor, but there mm-hmm. is a, there's another ship that comes into play and, and without getting into the plot beats of that, it introduces an enemy type, which uh, the characters on that ship have the stasis stuff built into them and it's like their armor. And it allows them on one hand, you can fire at them and it can kind of explode and you can like get this free stasis hit off of these enemies. On the other, it allows them to run really fucking fast, like so fast, <laughs> like is bad, Rob. <laughs> like it's terrifying. Oh, cannot wait and it for sucks. that to hit my marksmanship. Yep. <laughs> Yo, well, right. I have to admit, every time it happened, I was like, "Oh, Rob." Yeah, but hang oh, on. But like, you know what? But the thing is, you keep putting money in that ripper. That's your best possible solution. Yeah. To those enemies, like well, I'm not trying to hit I've my playstyle. It's you like <laughs> I am a proximity mines and ripper guy. I followed your, I followed your, your lead. I just kept putting everything into to ripper by the end of that game. I had, I did everything that like the final side quest of the game, which requires a little bit of backtracking. It didn't end up doing because it, uh, all it does is like get you some extra goodies behind like the maximum locked doors and it gives you a final upgrade path for each of the weapons and i was good i didn't i didn't need all that stuff and i'm not doing new game plus but i did i have to admit the one thing i would have liked was to get the final upgrade path for the ripper because i i maxed it out otherwise and i will say even though the up the like special upgrades for the ripper which are additional bounces if you are timing that correctly they actually can be kind of useful because you can get the ricochets off of you know as long as you're shooting that uh, out as the as the ripper blade is is finishing it, you can get a couple extra hits in. So dead space, good. This is you know, um, give me more dead space, uh, but preferably in like a couple of years so I can recover. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're near the end here. We'll do, it's been a it's been a longer show, so we'll we'll just uh, briefly touch on the question bucket. Remember, you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line uh, questions. Our email today comes from Holden. Hey, Waypoint crew. Kato's cricket prank story from high school reminded me of a prank my mother pulled with her friend uh, senior year in the 1980s that involves letting a huge amount of animals loose in a school. <laughs> my grandfather worked for decades at a hatchery, and as part of that, my mom and her, my, got my mom and her friend an after-school job sorting the baby chicks out from incubators after they hatched. This is part of the farming industry a lot of people don't think about, but hatcheries incubate and hatch an absurd number of chickens each year. I couldn't tell you whose idea it was between my mother and a friend to steal a crate or two full of chicks from the hatchery and smuggle it into school, but they completely pulled it off without anyone noticing and released at least a hundred, uh, at least a hundred chicks or hundreds of chicks into their school courtyard right before the bell rang to switch classes. 
Needless to say, the school was put on pause. The school day was put on pause while everyone in my mom's small town high school scrambled to catch baby chicks before any of them got inside and lost in the building. It was complete chaos. They did manage to get them all caught and sent back to the hatchery eventually, but the best or worst part of the story is that my mom and her friend were never caught for their chicken-related crimes. A football player who, according to my mom, was kind of a jackass, also worked at the hatchery with them. Blame was placed squarely on his shoulders, and despite him insisting it wasn't him, uh, my mom got away with a top-tier prank and frame-up. She felt guilty about it later, but apparently not guilty enough to come clean to the school. My grandfather, on receiving a crate full of chicks from the high school, knew exactly what had happened, but quietly swept the entire thing under the rug because he did find the whole thing pretty funny. Thanks for all you do, and make sure you always have a fall guy, Holden. Incredible. Amazing. Incredible. Those are are quality shenanigans. I, uh, my closest thing to, to this is I went to a rural high school. Uh, the oil and gas teacher uh, would occasionally... Yeah, I know, Kato. I, I grew up in Ohio, so we had a guy who taught people about the oil and gas industry. That class was fake. People mostly just smoked weed. Uh, nice. And so uh, what he would do is Different one day he caught, he caught a live bird outside and then walked into another teacher's classroom while she was teaching AP U.S. history and then just released a live bird into the room and then left. Um, this is an adult man. This is, this is, this is an adult what man, which, like, fuck? to me, if, if you are doing that prank as an adult man, that's an L. That, that's, that's, a, that's a fun prank for a teen. It's very chaotic and weird, yes. Yeah, his uh, students also famously played uh, bowling they would bowl with batteries uh, in the middle of the hallway uh, between, uh, but while like class was in session, they would start bowling. That's good. I like that one. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook, and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where can people follow you? At Patrick Kloppick. Gotta. At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. Ren. You can follow me releasing live ravens into the homes of my enemies <laughs> at Ren or Raven on Twitter. Hey, at the risk of derailing this podcast at the very end, uh-huh. um, I didn't listen to the last one because I just saw Rob check in on Slack and say long pod and went, okay. But I picked up just a little bit about people talking about Ren's podcast file saving. Am I opening like a really big... <laughs> can of worms by asking that which is not it's not a can address. of worms patrick i i want to get your i want to get your take on this, what this is, your, I th- I, that's what i was wondering i was wondering if the king of efficiency yeah where do your files you know, go? Weigh in. where do your files go i export them i upload to google drive and then i delete them okay where do they where do they export to the desktop where it's very clean there are three three or four folders that have various things related to work um and and my hacked ps2 and like, that's about it. Yeah. Clean, fo- clean desktop. My shit goes into the documents folder. Okay. Uh, point A, point B. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever looked at our folders. Have you seen what my files are usually named? Uh, no, I don't. I okay. have not kept track. Well, Patrick, let me let me hit you with. Uh, well, I'll go with last week's episode, uh, five forty two. Um. Waypoint Radio 542 Ren Part 1. Mm-hmm. 
The second one was, uh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. WPR 421 part two was the name Mm. of our second Mm. file. Uh, (laughs) And then I also have in here WPR Ren episode IDK. Uh, And Ren, who is to say what episode of WPR this is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I just put the date because then I don't have to worry about the episode titles. Just pcloppic underscore. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, Kato already takes care of the the yeah the folder. The folder the has the number on title. it. Just it's redundant. Then I just got Kato knows if it was the date. There's a part two. There'll be a part two. There's there's three parts on this one because <laughs> my, but they're all labeled. Yeah. Okay. That's great. All right. That's all I need. So it's well, honestly it's fine that Ren names <laughs> her. Uh, as long as they make it into the folder, yeah, right? Exactly. Well, it sounds uh, like that's they're in the folder. No, no, they do. They do get there eventually. <laughs> mm. Speaking okay. of, let me just look into our Discord right here. Waypoint Radio 543. Yeah. Yeah. 453, yeah. Uh, yeah. 543. <laughs> 543, I was right, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, Waypoint is a land of contrasts. <laughs> and you can see some of those contrasts by checking out what we've published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, this week, you can read Ren's review of Wild Hearts. Uh, and hey, thanks to Waypoint Plus, we've had a bunch of fun streams lately. Uh, so, well, I don't know if it, I don't know what was that fun. The Wild Wild Hearts seemed like a challenging stream. Wild Hearts seemed <laughs> like it was not necessarily a pleasurable experience to stream. Well, yeah, Kato was just mercilessly killed an animal that it could that <laughs> they, they could, could have pet. Look, yeah. I did not. <laughs> I didn't see a, the pet prompt. It, it blended into the grass. It was a pet and slay button. <laughs> Uh, I learned God about the it. CPU limitations of my computer very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I wish I could give people my perspective on that stream. Oh, my God. Ugh. Well, uh, at least we know at least we know exactly what your task manager uh, w- was telling you. That was the <laughs> like we may not have gotten your perspective on uh, the game of uh, like that that instance of Wild Hearts, but. We have a very good sense of like what is happening with your CPU load and uh, what processes, what processes are important when you open that tab? What, what can I actually get rid of here? Uh, I don't know what this, what this program does. Maybe I can kill it, (laughs) but maybe not. Uh, And Hey, uh, if you were listening to this on Friday, you might be able to check out. Well, I mean, Patrick might be going all day. I am going all day. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy's Daddy's checking into Metroid, Metroid prime. Getting doing those deep cuts, like Patrick returning mm-hmm. to returning to his youth. Hey, that game looks sick. It does. It does, and like it's a way to like get commune with like pre daddy Klopek. You know, it's, it's true. Like, it's true. Pre daddy. Pre daddy. Yeah. <laughs> In my pre daddy era. My pre daddy era. God. Uh, yeah. Um, if all that sounds good or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. That gives you access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. And if you want to show not just support, but zeal, go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some of our fine Waypoint merch. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash BOEN. For now, we are calling time on this week. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. See, this is, see, historically, there's always been a bit of like an affinity between Chicago and New Orleans. Uh, like the, the great, the great migrations are ties the cities together. Uh-huh. And I think it's time to embrace that <laughs> and get a little em- bit of embrace. like New Orleans into Chicago and start like really leaning into the fact that like, yeah, ghosts are real. We're going to keep the ghost bus- buses running Yeah, for our spirit, for our sp- not- spirit Chicagoans. <laughs> I'm going to bust a niece. Jesus Christ. That's incredible. We need to make the city more haunted. That's my that's my campaign. That would would not be Chicago more haunted. (laughs) That's a good platform. Uh, Fill Chicago with spirits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, not those kind of spirits. We have enough of those. Did you see (laughs) Ghostbusters two? The Titanic arrived. It pulled in. Um, (laughs) um, Is there? You know what? If there's a river of slime under Chicago, I'd believe you. And beautify Chicago with mausoleums stop <laughs> stop burying and incinerating the dead and start building them beautiful above ground mausoleums inter them in the streets um and uh in pillars of eternity one there's a big tower that sucks up all the souls for an entire region and just makes a really dense ghost area in one district of one city, and I think we should try that. <laughs> yeah, like imagine this is the, one of the most fam- famous architectures in Chicago is on the cover of that Wilco album. Like, imagine instead of these being people, well, I mean they were people. They're just ghosts. We put yeah, the bodies yeah. in here. That looks like a like just a, tombs. A tribute to the dead. Yeah, to the beyond, to the after. <laughs> I feel like we've. I feel like we've. You know. We've got it's a platform. Kind of, <laughs> it's kind of Wait, embarrassing runs how for boring. Mayor. We're pro ghosts. <laughs> how boring our burial practices have gotten. Our technology has improved. Our, you're, Patrick, you're right. Our architecture has improved vastly. We can do whatever the fuck we want, and we're still like, oh, grave. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. We can do better. Get in the monolith. Hey, Grandpa, okay. get in the monolith. <laughs> All right. Should we, should we go to time.is? I'll pull up time.is. Grave.is. No, it's actually grave.when. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> so once you go to it, it tells you when you're going to die. I don't know. No, that was that movie with the app. Um, the whole premise of the horror movie was an app that told you when you were going to die. I forget what it was called. Anyway. All right, I'm good. Let's go at uh, 15. 